gives me great pleasure to introduce to you this morning Phil Malcolm. Phil, you've been a missionary now for how many years in Africa? 20 years in Africa. Come on, that's amazing. And uh, we are thrilled to hear what God is doing, what new doors are opening, and we're just excited to have you and your wife, Robin, with us this morning. Let's give him a warm hillside welcome as he comes to share. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Thank you. Well, it is a real privilege to be here this morning. It's been a while since I was here. In fact, I don't even recognize this place. I was like, did they change the school? And then, then Pastor Dave told me, yes, exactly. They changed schools. So. But I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm glad that I'm here. I believe God wants to do something special this morning. In fact, I really believe God wants to speak to us. And I hope you didn't come to hear Phil Malcolm speak. In fact, some of you probably didn't even know Phil Malcolm was going to speak. I hope you came to hear God speak. And so this is what I'd like us to do. Before I say another word, would you just bow your heads with me? Close your eyes and say, God, come and speak to my heart this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we have this chance to be in your presence. And Lord, I just thank you for the beautiful sense of your presence that we've already felt as we worshiped you in song. But Lord, I just ask right now that you'd help each person here to set aside the worries and the concerns and the problems they came into this place with. I pray that you'd help us to set aside our plans and all the things that we're going to do later in the day. And Lord, just take a few minutes to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to open our hearts, our minds, help us to open our ears to hear what you have to say. And Lord, in that vein, I pray that you'd help Phil Malcolm to step aside. And Holy Spirit, I pray you would come and speak to our hearts. Help us not to leave this place the same way we came in, but help us to leave better because we have heard from God Almighty. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Well, friends, I'm glad to be here. And uh, I've actually... I just remember, I've got to control my own PowerPoint. I've got to do everything this morning. <laughs> got my clicker here. As you can see on the screen here, we are the Malcolms in Africa. And I say we because there's actually more than just one of me. Or not more than one of me, but there's more than one of us. And I think, there we go. You see, that's my lovely wife, Robin. But you guys get the real thing this morning because my lovely wife, Robin, is right over here. <laughs> and she's not going to say much in the service, but she does talk. And if you'd like to hear her talk, you can stop by our table on the way out there and just say hi to her. We'll be standing up there at the end of the service. But we are missionaries here. This is our mission field. This uh, little map here represents where we live and work. Um, the red star there is our mission field. That's the country of Togo, the little tiny country of Togo in West Africa. And we work there with our children's ministries and our children's department to try and help them develop programs for their kids. But wait, there's more. You see, our mission field is also the area in blue up there. That area in blue represents West Africa. It's about the size of the continental U.S., a big area, 16 different nations. And we try and help each one of those countries there either start programs for kids where there's nothing or else to develop their programs for children so they can better reach the children of their churches and in their communities. But wait, there's more. Do you guys notice the brown up there? Yes, the brown, that represents the entire continent of Africa. And that is also our mission field because we are privileged to serve as part of the leadership team for Africa's children, our children's department for world missions in, in Africa. And we have the privilege as part of that team to travel all over the continent and to help train and equip and prepare our teachers of that entire huge continent to reach the children. And I'll be sharing a little bit more about that as we go along here. But this morning I want to talk to you about something that I believe is important for every one of us, not just for Robin and I as missionaries, but for every one of us as children of God. And that is I want to talk to you about the great harvest. And of course, when I talk about harvest here, I'm not talking about grain, rice, fruit, vegetables. I'm talking about people that God wants to see brought into his family. 
Because God loves you, but he loves everybody around you as well. And God has put us here for a reason. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 4, verses 34 through 38. And we're going to see here what Jesus says about harvest. But before I actually read that, I want to share with you a story that helps us understand why Jesus was even talking about harvest. You see, he was talking with his disciples, his friends, about this idea of harvest. But why? Why did the topic come up? So let me share with you what was happening. You see, our story starts here with Jesus. That's a good place to start a story. But Jesus in our story probably didn't look like this, all nice and neat and clean. He probably looked a little bit more like this, hot and sweaty and tired. Because the Bible tells us that he'd been traveling with his friends under a hot sun. And of course, remember when we say traveling, we're talking about Bible time. So there's no air-conditioned cars, no paved roads. They're walking along these dusty trails under the hot sun, and everybody is tired, everybody's worn out. And finally, Jesus says, oh, well. So they stop and rest there at the well that Jesus had just seen. And, and the disciples say to Jesus, Master, you wait here at the well, and we'll go into town, and we'll find something good to eat. Maybe a nice plate of spaghetti. Well, it was the Roman Empire. They must have had spaghetti, right? So anyway, the disciples leave. They go into town to find something to eat. And while Jesus is there by the well, the Bible tells us that a woman came. A woman came to do what people do at a well. She came with her water jar, and she came to get some nice clean water. Because, of course, it's Bible times again. And so that means that there is no running water in the, in the house, no taps to turn on. Somebody had to go every single day down to the well. They had to go and get the water that people would need to drink, to cook with, to clean. And that's what this woman was doing. She came with her water jug. And when Jesus saw her coming, the Bible says that he spoke to her. And he said to her, excuse me, ma'am, would you mind getting me something to drink? Now, that seems like a pretty ordinary request to you and me. At least to me, it seems like a pretty easy thing to do. He, he says, would you get me something to drink. But the Bible says that when the woman heard Jesus talking to her, she was surprised. She couldn't believe that he was talking to her. In fact, she even said to him, hey, wait a second, buddy, you shouldn't be talking to me. Now, why is that? What's the big deal about asking for a drink of water? Well, the Bible tells us that this woman was a Samaritan woman. And Jesus was a Jewish man. And we know from history that the Jews and the Samaritans just didn't get along. They didn't like each other. They were kind of like, like Ducks and Beavers fans. They just don't mix. And so this woman was surprised that Jesus would even talk to her, and she called him on it. And when she did, Jesus looked at her and said, well, if you knew who was asking you for water, you'd actually be asking me for a drink of water, for a drink of living water, so that you would never be thirsty again. And the, you know, when Jesus said living water, you and I know that he wasn't really talking about water with eyeballs. That'd just be kind of creepy. What Jesus was talking about was something not for your thirst, but for the thirst of your heart, to satisfy your soul. But the woman didn't understand that. She just heard, never be thirsty again. And she's thinking, if I'm never thirsty again, that means I don't have to come down to this well every single day. I don't have to do the stupid chore. I want that. And she said, yes, please. I'd like some of that living water. And when she did, the Bible says Jesus looked at her and said something rather strange. He said, okay, I'll give you that living water. All you have to do is go find your husband and bring him back here. And when he said that, the woman was sad, and she looked at Jesus and said, I, I can't do that. I don't have a husband. 
And Jesus responded to her and he said, you know, it's good to say that you don't have a husband because actually you've had five different husbands. And right now you're living with man number six and you're not even married to him. And when the woman heard this, the Bible tells us that she was absolutely shocked. She was stunned. She couldn't believe what she was hearing. In fact, she was so surprised that the Bible says she left her water jug there at the well. The whole reason she had come to that place in the first place. She forgot about it, and she ran back into town. She found everybody she could find, all her friends, neighbors, people in the town. She said to them, you have to come and meet this man who told me everything I ever did. And the Bible says that that day, many people came down to the well, and many hearts were added to the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's a pretty neat story. Jesus going out of his way to meet someone and transforming their lives and changing a whole town. But actually, the part of the story I want to concentrate on is right here. In between the time when the woman left her water jug at the well, but before she came back with all her friends, because this period right here, this is when the disciples came back with their food. They came back just as the woman was leaving. They watched her go, and they came back with the food, and they said to Jesus, here you go, master. Here's some food. Eat. And Jesus looked at them and said, no thanks. I've already eaten. And the disciples were really puzzled by this. They said, how can that be? How could he eat out here where there's no food? Did someone bring him food? And that's when Jesus began to talk to them and began to speak to them. And he said these words that we see here in John chapter 4. Take a look. Jesus explained to his friends, and he says this. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And that brings us to our first point, our first question that I'd like us to consider. And I see that our PowerPoint's going out there. We're going to get that back up here in just a second. And you'll see in a minute here, I'm just going to keep talking, but when you see the question mark, everyone up there just kind of go, <gasps> and gasp, so that I know that something's happening behind me. But there's a question I'd like us to consider, and the first question has to do with food. Jesus talks about food here, and the first question about food is this. Does the harvest feed you? Does doing the will and the work of God feed you? Does it satisfy your soul? See, Jesus said, my food is not physical food. My food, what satisfies me, is doing God's work and his will. And I want you to understand this this morning. I really want you to be able to wrap your heads around this. So what I did this morning is I actually brought some food. You guys like food? Okay, what, let me explain something. I, I'm a children's pastor, a children's missionary. And so when I ask a question, I actually expect an answer. Okay? And if you're not saying yes to I like food, then you're lying because you're here. You're alive. Okay? You guys like food? Okay, so this is what I want you to do. I'm going to bring out some food. I've got a box of food here. And I want you guys to help me figure out what is the best food? What food do you like the most? What do you think is the most satisfying, okay? So let's take a look at what I have here. And you can, whoa, what are you doing in there, buddy? Well, come on out. You're kind of in the way. No, 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 Shirley, stay. You, you can't stay. You're, you're messing everything up in there. Come on out. Mm, uh, mm, Charlie hungry. Charlie want food. Well, I I'm glad you're here, Charlie. No, not Charlie. Charlie. Mm. 
Okay, well, everyone, this is Shirley. And Shirley, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're hungry. Huh? Why are you glad I'm hungry? Hungry not good. Hungry bad. Well, yeah, hungry's bad, but I'm glad you're hungry because I've actually brought some food for you to eat. Oh, Shirley like food. Feed Shirley! Okay, okay, I'll, I'll feed you. Hang on a second. Um, tell you what, you can help me make a choice here and, and pick the best food. How about this? We'll start with some nice breakfast. Maybe you like some eggs, some sausage, even a nice waffle. Mmm, surely not want food that is awful. Ah! No, I, I didn't say awful. I said waffle, right? right? Ah! Oh, okay, you don't, don't want that. Okay, um, all right. Uh, how about this? Uh, maybe you'd like, oh, I know. How about a hamburger and fries? Uh, maybe you like a hamburger and fries. You can have that. Everyone likes a hamburger and fries. Mm, surely not frog. Surely not on flies. Ah, ah. That one go far. Yeah, yeah that, that one went far. But I didn't say flies. I said hamburger and fries. That, that was good food. Mm, feed Shirley. Okay, Shirley needs a breath mint. Um, uh, hang on a second. Okay, you don't like that. How about some nice fresh fruit? Nice and refreshing. There you go. Mm, that not even food. That what food eat. Ah! <laughs> I, you, you're hard to please. I, I don't know what to do. Feed Shirley! Okay, okay, okay. I, I'm running out of options, though, here. You don't like any of my food, and really all I have left is a, a can of beans. And if you don't like any of that... Mm, mm, well, hang on a second. You like beans? You didn't like any of this food and you want a can of beans? What, what's it? Feed Shirley. Well, hang on. My hand's still attached to that. You can't eat it yet. But maybe you can explain to me why you don't want any of this food, but why do you like beans so much? What beans? Shirley like tin can. Oh, okay, so, so you want the tin can. Well, okay, I'll give you. Feed Shirley! Okay, 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 hang on. Be calm. I'll put the food right here so you don't make a mess. I'll put you in the box so you don't make a Okay, that was Shirley, everyone. All right, well, I, I was going to have you guys make a choice for me, but it looks like Shirley already did. Thank you. Shirley already made a choice for us. And Shirley turned down all these things for a can of beans. But you know what? Actually, I think Shirley made a pretty good choice. Because in case you didn't notice, all this other food here, it's fake food. Just plastic. Shirley chose the only thing that was real food, the only thing that would really satisfy you. And that's important for us, friends, because you know what? The world offers us choices like this. They'll tell us, hey, if you have all the money and you're rich, then you'll be happy. Or the world tells you, hey, if you have all the friends and you're popular, then you're going to be satisfied. Or the world says, hey, if you have all the power and you're in charge and you're in control, that's what's going to satisfy you. But all those things are fake food. You'll never be happy running after these things. The only thing that will truly satisfy you is doing the will and the work of God. So the question is this, what are you chasing after? What are you spending your time, your effort, your money running after? And if it's any of those things, that fake food, I would encourage you just to pray and say, God, show me your will. What do you want me to do with my life? What did you design me to do? 
You see, the Bible tells us that God created us. He knew us before we were born. He knew every day of our lives. He knew you were going to be sitting here today listening to me. But God not only designed us, he designed us for a purpose. He has big plans for us. He wants to use us to do incredible things. So the question is this. Does the harvest feed you? Let's see if our... Does the harvest feed you? Does doing God's will, does doing his work truly satisfy you? Does it bring you joy and happiness? And that's what I, I want us to consider today. That's our first question. But there's some more questions that I think we need to look at. And our second question is this. It has to do with eyeballs. And the second question is, do you see the harvest? Do you see the harvest that is around you? Take a look here at what Jesus says here as he continues to talk to his disciples. In verse 35, he says this. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. It's still a long ways off. He goes on to say, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now those who reap draw their wages. Even now they harvest the crop for eternal life. Now, I have to tell you that the yelling there, you might not see that in your Bibles. That's the Phil Malcolm version. I don't know if Jesus really yelled, but I kind of think he might have. And to help you understand why, I'll tell you what. Let's do this. You guys like to play games? Thank you, kids. I'm glad that you're in here today. The big kids are having a hard time. You guys like to play games? So we're going to play a game. It's a real simple game. All you need for this game are eyeballs. In fact, even one will do. Okay? All you have to do is use your eyes, look up here, and I'm going to hold up some fingers, and I want you to tell me how many fingers you can see. Okay? Simple game. Are you ready? Okay, I'll I'll give you a moment. Some of you are still not getting this. This is participation, folks, okay? Let's try it again. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Three, three. No, okay. You weren't quite ready, I guess. Let let me try it again. Okay, I'll give you another chance. You're just getting warmed up here. All right, are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. No, this, you guys are really bad at this game. I thought there's a, oh, you know what? Maybe the problem is, I know that some of you are sitting a long ways away, and you're probably having a hard time seeing my tiny little fingers, so I brought some big fingers today. This will help you out. And look, I even took one away for those of you who are bad at math. Okay? You can do this. I have faith in you. You can do this. Let's try it one last time. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Okay, now you guys are just shouting out random numbers. You're not even close. No, no. You know what, guys? I, I haven't really been playing fair with you. I, I played a little trick on you this morning. Because when I started this game, I said, I want you to use your eyes. At, I guess I don't need the big hands anymore. I want you to use your eyes, and I want you to tell me how many fingers you can see. I didn't say how many fingers I'm holding up. So what's the answer? No. You're still wrong. It's not 10. Everybody do this for me. Everybody take your hands and hold them up like this. And wiggle those things on the end of your hands. What are those? Fingers. Fingers. Right in front of you, but you didn't even see them. You forgot to look at what was right in front of you. See, friends, now I'm playing a trick on you. And I really don't care if you can count all the fingers in this place. But this is why I think Jesus might have yelled at his disciples. Because remember our story? The disciples left Jesus at the well, and they went into town. Meanwhile, at the same time, there's a woman leaving town and she's headed to the well, which means they must have walked right by each other. 
Here is a woman who's hurting, who's looking for answers, who's looking for love. We know that because Jesus is able to talk to her and change the course of her life. And yet the disciples just saw an ordinary person and walked right by her. So the question is this. Do you see the harvest? Who is your woman at the well? Who do you see every single day? On the bus, on the way to school, at work, your colleagues, in your neighborhood, your friends, your family. Who did God put you here in this place specifically because he wants you to reach out to them? Do you see the harvest? Friends, this is a question for all of us. And please understand, I'm not trying to beat you up. I don't even know most of you. But I think this is a question we all need to ask ourselves. And it's a problem that I think is common to us as human beings. We tend to overlook the ordinary, the everyday. In fact, I know that's true because as missionaries in Africa working with children, we have this same problem. One of our biggest challenges is just helping our churches and our pastors see the harvest field that's right in front of them. Take a look. This is our harvest field. 500 million children on the continent of Africa. Half a billion kids. Half of the population is children. And those children face overwhelming circumstances. And I don't have time to go through all these horrifying statistics this morning. But take, here, here's just one. 4,900 children die almost every single day because they don't have clean water to drink. They get sick. They get diseases. They don't have access to medical care or they can't afford it and they die. And we look at all these challenges and it can be a little bit overwhelming. But here's the good news. In the midst of those challenges, there's an incredible opportunity to come and to share the love of Jesus, to show the love of Jesus to those hurting people and to see lives transformed. But that can't happen if you don't even see the harvest field. And so one of our biggest challenges is just helping our churches to see this harvest field, the potential that is there. And one of the ways that we've done that is what we call the Sunday School Shelter Project. And to explain a little bit more about that, I don't want you to just take a few minutes and Take a look at this video here that explains what the Sunday School Shelter Project is all about and how it's helping us to reach our churches in Africa. Hi friends, this is Phil Malcolm, your missionary to the children of West Africa. And I'm standing here in what would be a typical children's classroom for many of our churches across the continent of Africa. I'm not referring to the building you see behind me, that's actually the sanctuary for the adults. What I'm referring to is a small piece of shade that you see in the wall of the church. This is the only classroom that a large majority of our churches would be able to provide for their children. And as you can imagine, in hot tropical Africa, the shade doesn't last long. And when the rains come, there's no place for the kids to meet. Hallelujah. And I'm holding in my hand the only curriculum that many of those teachers would have to teach their children their own personal Bible. And many of those teachers, in fact, a majority of them, have no training on how to make that Bible come alive for kids, how to capture their attention and use the few resources they have on hand to make the Bible interesting for their kids. These are the three things we hear time and again as we've traveled across the continent of Africa, from teachers, from children's leaders, and even from missionaries. They say, can you help us to train our teachers? Can you help us with curriculum and resources? And can you help us provide space for our children? Okay. 
These are huge needs. And how can we hope to respond to them? Well, our answer is this. What you see here is a Sunday school shelter, part of the Sunday school shelter project. This simple structure provides a place where kids can come and meet out of the rain when it's raining, out of the sun when it's a hot sunny day. It gives children a place that they can call their own, lets them know that the church cares about them. One of the wonderful things about this project though is that we also provide low resource creative curriculum for the teachers who will be using this space. And we follow it up with training that shows them how they can grab kids' attention, how they can keep the children's attention in creative, exciting ways and make the Bible come alive for the children that they'll be working with. Friends, this has already been transforming churches across Africa in many different nations. We've heard incredible testimonies. Teachers have said that since we built a shelter for their church, the number of children coming has doubled, tripled, even quadrupled. And the results are far beyond that because these teachers are telling us that children are so excited to come that the parents are noticing the difference and asking, what are you doing with my children? We can't believe the difference that we've seen since you started teaching using the creative curriculum and the training that you've received. Friends, the Sunday School Shelter Project is making a difference thanks to people like you. So please, give to this project generously so that we can transform children's lives. And by touching children today, we will change the continent tomorrow. God bless you. Amen. Amen. It's exciting to see what happens when people's eyes are open and they see the harvest, they begin to work, and God begins to move. It's exciting, friends. And so that's our second question. Do you see the harvest? So we've talked about having a heart for the harvest. Does the harvest feed you? We talked about having eyes for the harvest. Do you see the harvest? One last question that I'd like us to consider this morning. And our last question this morning is all about harvest. Well, that's someone planting a seed. That's not harvest. But the question is, are you helping with the harvest? Now, why did I put a picture of someone planting a seed when we're talking about harvest? That's opposite ends of the spectrum. But listen to what Jesus says here. As he's continuing talking to his disciples, and he's talking about harvest, he's just finished saying, even now they harvest the crop for eternal life. And he goes on to say, so that the sower, that's the one planting the seed, and the reaper, the one doing the harvesting, may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. See, friends, what I want you to understand this morning is that when I ask this question, are you helping with the harvest? The answer is yes. If you are planting into the lives of missionaries like us, if you are praying for us, if you are supporting us, you're helping to reap a harvest on the other side of the world in places you may never go, with people you may never see. And I want you to really be able to wrap your minds around this this morning. This is important for you to understand. And so this is what we're going to do. For the next few minutes, I'm going to boast. Not about me, but about people like you and churches like yours. And I want you to understand this is something that we do together. Together we harvest. So this is what I'm going to do. Every time I point to you, I want everyone to say in a nice, loud voice, together we harvest. All right, let's give it a shot. Good. So every time I point to you guys, you're all going to... Good job. The rest of you, I think you might be having a hard time seeing fingers today, okay? Okay, you, you guys got it? Are you ready? Let's try. When we create resources for teachers and leaders, like this book that you see my wife holding here, 
It might seem like a small thing, but this book here was something that we were asked to write for all our Bible schools across the entire continent of Africa. It is a course that will be used to train pastors in the importance of children's ministry and then how to start ministry to kids in their churches. If we can change the way that the pastors think, that's huge. And the exciting thing is, this book is already being used in countries that we've never even been to. They're translating into languages that we don't even speak. This is extending our reach far beyond what we could do. But it only happens because of people like you and churches like yours. Because when we build more than 50 of those Sunday school shelters you just saw. And that's just in the last two years. In fact, this program has just absolutely exploded. I just received an email this week, just yesterday, talking about this project and donors wanting to give money so that we can build more churches over there. I have a waiting list of countries that are waiting for us to come back so that we can launch the program there. This is absolutely exploding. It's exciting to see how God is opening doors, but it only happens because of people like you and churches like yours. Because when we reach out through camps and other outreach events, man, can you imagine going to district camp? I've been to district camp here in Oregon. I've, I've had the privilege of speaking here, but district camp in Africa is a little bit different because when we went to district camp in Africa, 3,000 kids showed up. Wow, that was exciting. We talked about the power of the Holy Spirit and hundreds of kids raised their hands and I want the Holy Spirit so that I can be a witness to my friends. And this is something else we're excited about. You can see Robin here teaching in a local church. We get to come in and model children's ministry in a place where most teachers, the only way they know how to teach is to stand and lecture. And we show them out a more creative way. And by the time we're done teaching a class for them, the teachers are coming to us and saying, we've never seen our kids behave so well, so interested in the Bible lesson. Would you teach us to do those things? That's exciting, friends. But it only happens because of people like you and churches like yours. Because when we reach out through training programs, train thousands of teachers. You see, we can't visit every single local church, but we can bring those teachers together. And we can show them how to use the resources they have on hand, what they can find in their home, what they can find on the way to church. Simple things. But they're so excited because they've never seen, never thought that there's a better way to teach. And then they go home and they send back these testimonies saying, we have never seen our kids. So excited about church. Our kids are now the ones dragging their parents to church instead of the other way around because they're so excited to be here. That's transforming, friends. But it only happens because of people like you and churches like yours because when we reach out through compassion projects to vulnerable children, and this project truly only happened because of a church like yours. You see, we had a pastor that was sent to us by our national church leader. And our superintendent, our, our, our leader, he called us up and said, I have a pastor who has a heart for kids and he wants to build a center for children. And as soon as he said those words, being the man of faith that I am, I said, it's not going to happen in my head. But I couldn't say no. But I knew our budget. I knew we had no money for a big project like this. But we said, we'll, we'll meet with him, we'll, we'll talk with him. And I told my wife, we'll pray with him and, and send him on his way because we have no money for this. And this pastor and his wife came and talked to us and he began to share about how his part of the country, which is so poor, even, even other Africans don't want to go there. He said, in his part of the country, children are treated like property. Girls as young as 10 years old are sold into marriage for the price of a pot of beer. Young men are forced to work all day in the fields, not allowed to go to school even though the government says it's mandatory, they're not allowed to go because their parents don't want them to get an education. They're afraid if they get an education, they'll leave home and they'll lose their workforce. And this man and his wife said, we need to do something about it. They were doing something already, but they wanted to expand their ministry. And they said, the village chief, 
has gotten excited about our vision and he's given us land, but we have no money to build on that land. Would you help us? By the time he was done sharing, we were emptying out our pockets and saying, we don't have money for this project. This is what we have personally. Take this and we'll pray with you. And then we began to pray. We began to knock on doors, asking all our different missions departments, is there any money for a project like this? And the answer kept coming back, no. Then a couple weeks later, I got a call from one of our churches here in the States, one of our supporting churches. And the man on the other end of the line said to me, our pastor wants to do a building for kids. Not one of those little Sunday school shelters. He wants to do a, a big building. Do you have any need for something like that? Don't you love how God works? We hadn't advertised this. We hadn't put it out there. They didn't know, but God knew. And he worked through people just like you, a church just like yours, to provide this building that you see there for a little tiny church that had maybe 30 people meeting under a thatched roof. And after we put up the building, we held one night of outreach. And I watched for hours after we started, people still coming. By the time we were done, there was over 600 people underneath that steel roof. There was another 150 estimated to be standing out in the darkness. When we gave an altar call, dozens and dozens came forward, not just kids, but moms and dads came forward and gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. And as we were leaving, the pastor looked at me and said, Missionary, we were planning in just a few weeks to have a kids camp here, and we had no place to put those kids. We were expecting 500 or more kids to come. We had no place to put them. But now they have a place to come and learn about Jesus. Friends, that only happens because of people like you and churches like yours, because with, with, oh, went too far, with all these other things. I, I could keep going this morning. I don't have time, but our God is good. Our God is amazing. He's a big God, but you know, so often he works through ordinary people just like you and I. And so when I ask this question, are you helping with the harvest? The answer is a resounding yes, if you are investing in the lives of missionaries. You're sowing that seed so that we can go and reap a harvest on the other side of the world. That's an amazing thing. So there's the questions I have this morning. Do, does the harvest feed you? Do you see the harvest? And are you helping with the harvest, both here in your own community and around the world? I want to leave you with one last thought this morning. This last thought is actually a statement that Jesus made about harvest. It's a statement that has to do with time. And he says, now is the time for harvest. This is actually found in another passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 9. And we see here in this passage of Scripture that Jesus was traveling around the area. He was preaching in the synagogues. He was healing the sick. He was doing ministry. And then it says this in verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And when I hear that description, I think of the children of Africa. If there's ever a people that was harassed, that's helpless, that needs guidance, it's the precious children of Africa. And then it goes on to say that Jesus turned to his disciples and said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And friends, I share this with you because as we get ready to go back to Africa in just two months, this is our heart's cry. We have a huge harvest field. We have open doors like we have never seen in our 20 years as missionaries. For the first time ever, instead of us knocking on doors and asking, can we come, we have national church leaders contacting us, saying, we see the importance of children's ministry, we see the importance of our, reaching our kids, and we want you to come and train our people and equip them so they can reach the children of our country. And so often when we hear those requests, our answer is, sorry, we can't do it. Not because we don't want to, but because 
There's just two of us. And that's why, that, that's why this time as we get ready to go back, God has challenged us once again to change our circle of influence so that we can increase our impact. Let me explain that with this little illustration here. You see, I have here a card that has a, a circle there. And the small circle in the middle of my card there, that represents our circle of influence. And this small blue circle here is the least effective thing that we can do as children's missionaries to reach kids. And that is work with kids. That's a rather strange thing for a children's missionary to say. But think about this. If Robin and I spend all our time hands-on reaching and discipling kids, how many can we reach by ourselves? A thousand? Two thousand? Uh, let's think big. In our lifetimes, maybe we could reach 10,000 kids. That'd be amazing. Okay, you guys aren't amazed. You must be reaching 10,000 kids every day here in, in Clackamas. But for us, that'd be pretty amazing. And yet it's not enough when you consider the size of the problem. And that's why from our very first term as missionaries, God challenged us to change our circle of influence so that we could increase our impact. And this larger red circle, this represents children's workers. Because if we could train and equip children's workers, think about this. If we took just 100 children's workers, teachers, and we invested in them and trained them and equipped them and then sent those teachers back out to their towns, to their villages, to their cities, and each of those 100 teachers reached 1,000 kids, now we're talking about 100,000 kids for Jesus Christ. Okay, you guys still aren't impressed, most of you. You know, that's pretty exciting, but it's still not enough. And that's why this last term, especially, God challenged us to, once again, increase our impact by changing our circle of influence. And this large green circle, this represents leaders, pastors, children's leaders, trainers. Think about this, friends. What if we took just 10 key people, 10 trainers, and we trained them to do what we do and sent them back to their countries all across West Africa with the resources they need to go out and train 100 teachers each? And each of those 100 teachers would reach 1,000 kids. Now we're talking about a million kids for Jesus Christ. Yes. Well, that's the magic number, a million, okay. <laughs> now you guys are excited. And friends, I'm happy to tell you this is already happening. We're seeing this happen. We're seeing trainers go out to places we've never been. And we're getting the reports back of churches that are growing. Not just the children's ministry, but the churches are growing because they started reaching out to kids. This is happening, but it's still not enough. A million kids isn't enough when you talk about half a billion children. And that's why this term, as we go back, God has challenged us once again to change our circle of influence so we can increase our impact. And this largest circle here, this represents a new ministry for us. Rob and I have been asked by our leadership, as we go back this next term, to start a training center for the next generation of children's missionaries. And those people will come with us, work with us for six months to a year and then we'll send each of those out. And over the next 10 years, we hope to train 40 new children's missionaries and send them out one by one all across the entire continent of Africa. And each of those missionaries will reach kids that we would never reach. They'll be able to train teachers that we'd never have the opportunity to train. And they'll be able to invest, and invest in and equip leaders that we would never even meet. And that's why we're so excited this time to once again change our circle of influence so that we can increase our impact. And friends, now we're not talking about a million children. We're talking about reaching the entire continent for Jesus Christ. Reach the children today. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. If we can reach the children today, we can change the continent tomorrow. And that's exciting. But I'm here to tell you, friends, that this 
isn't going to happen. It can't happen without people like you. We need your help. And right now is usually the time where I say you can help us with your prayers. You can help us with your finances, help us to go and do these things. You can even help us with your presence by coming and helping us, whether it be short-term or long-term. But as I was praying about this service, and I tell you, friends, I've been excited about this service all week. I felt a sense of expectation that God wants to do something. And as I was praying just this morning, I just felt like God spoke into my heart two words. And that is, let me. Let me. Maybe some of you came this morning, you're like that woman at the well, you're looking for answers, and Jesus is just saying, let me take your burdens from you. Let me take your hurts and your wounds from you. Let me wash those things away. Let me give you the living water that will truly satisfy you. Maybe some of you came, you're like those disciples, and you've had your eyes open this morning. And Jesus is saying, let me, let me use you to do incredible things. Let me have your finances. Let me have your time. Let me have your resources because I am a good God and I'm going to bless you abundantly so that you can do great things for me if you will just let me. I believe God is calling each of us to just let him be in charge of our lives. Let him do so much more than we ever imagined or planned. So this is what I want us to do. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Pastor Dave, I'm going to ask you to come join me here on the platform. And I just want to put a challenge out there to you. Maybe God is speaking to you this morning. And as I was sharing, you were feeling God speak to your heart. First of all, I'm going to ask Pastor Dave to pray for two things. First of all is this. For those of you who are just saying, I'm like that woman at the well. I need to let God just have control of my mess of a life, my problems, my issues. We want to pray for you. If you come here hurting, Jesus is here for you, just like he went out of his way to be there for the woman at that well. He went out of his way to meet her. Do you know what? He went out of his way. He sent a missionary from Africa here because he cares about you. And if you've come here with hurts this morning, and you just need to let Jesus be in charge of your hurts, your broken life, we want to pray with you. Would you raise your hand up? Is there anyone in here? I see his hands going up. Thank you. Anybody else who says, I want Jesus to just take control. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Pastor Dave sees those hands. Thank you. Second thing I want Pastor Dave to pray for. Some of you here have been challenged by this message and you say, I want so much more. I want to see God do so much more in my life, but I've been holding back and right now I just want to let God be God. I want to give him everything without reservation. If you're ready to take a bold step, to see God do amazing things in you and through you. And you're saying, God, I want to let you. Just raise your hand. Would you raise your hand up? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I see hands going up all over this place. Don't hold back, friends, because God wants to do something. This is for your benefit. God wants to do something amazing in you and through you. Just raise your hand up high if you want to let God this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Pastor Dave, would you just pray and pray God's anointing and blessing on all those who want to let Jesus. Come on. Father, we come in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, we first pray for those who are hurting, those who came in with needs and difficult circumstances in their life, hardship, heartache. And Lord, like the woman at the well, you've come to meet them. You've brought Phil and Robin with a message of hope, a message of healing, a message of love. 
for you see the need. And Lord, you've come to meet the need and to lift the burden and to take away the care of this world. And so, Father, we ask that according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus, that, God, you would minister and you'd administrate and you would, Lord, give direction and understanding and open eyes to see, God, your provision and your ability, Lord, and your desire to lift the burden, lift the care. And that, God, you would help men and women here who raised their hands and those who didn't to let go and let God, to let go. All too often, God, we want to keep our hands on and try and fix and try and do and try and make. And you're saying, no, let me, let me. And so, God, will you help and will you bless and will you administrate your gifts and your blessings and your deliverances, God, in the name of Jesus. And bring health and healing, we pray. And for those, Lord, who desire like the disciples and they want their eyes have been opened. And certainly every man, woman, and child in this place, our eyes have been opened. And we want more. And we say, yes, God. Yes, God. And so, Lord, will you speak to our hearts? Will you move upon us to engage? Lord, I, I pray like seeing how many fingers that, God, we would see the harvest not only in our own community, not only in our own realm of influence. I pray, God, even the message of increasing our realm of influence would speak to our hearts, that, God, we would go beyond where we have been. And so, Lord, will you lead us and will you direct us and will you help us? And, Lord, may we see the kingdom of God in new sight, in relationship to all of the things that you have put into our trust as stewards, that we would engage all of those resources into the kingdom of God. Lord, may we see the harvest and be a part of the harvest, begin planting in a greater measure. I pray for every man, woman, and child here who may have never participated in the Great Commission, never supporting a missionary in the past. May today be the beginning, the new beginning of being about the Great Commission, that portion unto the ends of the earth. And so, Lord, that the witness of Jesus would reach the 500 million children and the generations to come of those who will be teaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, be glorified. Move on us. Anoint us, your children. Lord, it starts with a church just like ours. It starts with a people just like this. And so, Lord, may we be a part. May we have a heart for, may we have a sight for, and may we have a desire to be a, a planter and make things happen in your kingdom, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.